You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. Oh, yeah, part two slash phase two of the state, whatever you want to talk. There's a lot of twos going on here. Thank you so much for joining us for part two. We got part um, two, we got phase two, we got Daniel's number two from the first hour. Uh, happy Memorial Day. That was, okay, we, I heard you guys We talking. assumed a one turned into a two. No. Oh. Are you kidding me? That was a really quick two if that was. I might have some bowel Justin, Justin assumed that and I went along with it because it was funny. Oh, I, I see how it is. I wasn't here to defend myself. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in to the second part of the scrimmage this week. Also, thank you so much to our sponsors, Oli Penn Real Estate, State Farm Agent Mark Rossetti, and the law offices of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. We got a bunch of good stuff to talk to you about in part two, including our athlete of the week. Justin, what else we got to look at? Well, we're going to talk about the changes proposed by the WIAA to the basketball attorneys. It's been kind of a roller coaster ride over the last several years. And generally, all their changes have been stinky, stinky poo poo. <laughs> so we'll talk about what the different proposals could be and which ones we like and which ones we don't. We'll have the mailbag as well. But first, let's take a little break to hear from our sponsor. The team of realtors at OliPen Real Estate wish you and your family good health during this stay home, stay safe time. Their team has health and safety measures in place to protect you and everyone involved in the process. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is a great time. There are more buyers than available homes. Many homes are still receiving multiple offers and are selling for above asking price. OliPen Real Estate will help you put the most money possible in your pocket in less time without the hassle. Visit SellMyHarborHome.com to get your home market ready. The Oli Pen team is ready to work for you. Oh, yeah, I'm glad that I don't put any of the video in while <laughs> we have commercials. <laughs> Justin and I are terrible dancers, let's put it that way. That is accurate. <laughs> but talking about Oli Pen Real Estate, it is now time for the Oli Pen Real Estate Athlete of the Week and this week, since uh, we still don't have any sports, we are looking back in time a little bit, and we are talking about one of our favorites here. I think we've talked to him before, talked about him a little bit, and that is Lane Bruner, and he is our Ole Penn Historical Athlete of the Week, and uh, really, kid who had a, a fun career to look at. So we'll dive into a little bit of that and uh, then have a little bit of a chat but uh, he started out well I'm sure he didn't start out in high school I'm assuming he was really good he was probably one of those guys in Little League who was really good uh, but he earned according to his WSU athletics bio page he had three letters oh yeah this is our second Coog in a row by the way Yeah. Oh, I see what you're doing. You're willing to let a Monty kid in <laughs> as long as he's a Coog. Okay, let's not get into the Monty discussion you've been here. so anti-Monty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally have. So he earned three letters in baseball. That's expected. He also had three in basketball. I remember him as an excellent basketball player. And one in football. I don't think he played his senior year, He though. did not play his no. senior year, and his teammates won a state title. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> It was that team. Yeah. I forgot that that was the case. Yep. Uh, he was an all-state selection in baseball, and this is interesting, named the eighth best pro, spo- pro prospect in Washington by Baseball America in 2013. He was actually selected by the Baltimore Orioles in the 26th round of the 2013 MLB first-year player draft, 
And interesting, Justin, I think that we should note that he was probably going to be drafted higher mm-hmm. had he not expressed a lot of interest in going to school instead of going to the MLB draft. Yeah, I have a, a pretty good amount of insight on this because I've I've spoken with Lane several times. We actually, in the original iteration of our show, we interviewed him. But I know Lane's dad, Mike, a little bit, and he is the coach of the Grays Harbor College Jokers. He used to be the coach of Montesano's high school baseball team. And I've had some conversations with Lane. Also, I've had um, my sons had a couple of like one-on-one coaching sessions in baseball with Lane uh, a while back. So I've talked with him about this stuff a decent amount. Basically, after his senior season of high school, they knew fairly confidently he was going to be drafted in the Major League Baseball draft. They looked at what all the different levels of signing bonuses you get because they're basically locked in in baseball. If you get picked in such and such round, you get this signing bonus. So they looked at it and they thought, okay, well, you can go to college. He had an offer from WSU, and he had picked that as, if I go to college, I'm going to go to WSU. It was full baseball, which I think covers roughly half of your tuition. Um, So they looked at what's the value of the signing bonus we can get compared to the value of this scholarship. So they were looking at it from a really analytical point because they thought, well, straight out of high school, if I can get a really good signing bonus, then worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out in Major League Baseball, I can use that money to go back and get my college degree. So they they went at it, I think, from a really smart perspective. But they knew he needed to be drafted in the first five rounds um, for that to be a possibility. The first five rounds lapsed. It is my understanding that he would have been selected in the sixth round, um, but they told the team that called him, um, and the teams kind of knew, all the teams that were interested in him kind of knew going into it, um, if he gets picked after five, he's going to go to college instead of play Major League Baseball. So at that point, was it the 25th round that he got picked in? The 26th. 26th round. He and So a team basically said, well... This is a flyer just in case you change your mind about college. We're going to pick you in the 26th round. So he still did end up getting picked. There but he would have so many rounds. So many rounds. Are there 30? Uh, 72. That's so much. <laughs> but basically, because they're trying to fill all their farm systems but, too. Yeah. They're not going to have as many this year, which is interesting. But yeah. I'll, let me, I'll look that up. Yeah. So he, he probably would have gotten picked about 20 rounds earlier in that draft. Had he said, yes, I'm all in, I want to go to the major leagues. So he decided to go to WSU. And Lane told me that even though his WSU career was, you know, a kind of a roller coaster ride, it was full of ups and downs, he felt that going to WSU helped him grow so much as a person that even if he went back, he wouldn't change it. Because he came back from college really different from when he left. Excellent story to learn more about how somebody does use that time to grow, even if it doesn't go as you expected. Also, I was way off. It's 40 rounds. Okay. So 72. I I don't know where that comes from. Oh, you always have to make it a competition, (laughs) don't you? Uh, Talking about some some of that time. So I believe the coach... There was a coaching yeah. change while he was at Washington yeah, State. It right. was Donnie Marbit who was actually from the Grace Harbor area. Yes, and I, I, you, I could be wrong about this, but I think Lane told me that he was the first Grace Harbor athlete that Donnie Marbit had recruited to play at WSU. Yeah, I mean, 
It's not like... He could have signed Daniel. Yeah, it's not like I didn't go over and try and walk on over there Did you guys know that Daniel batted over 400 in his senior year of high school? Okay, that was not the comment that I was hoping to get the discussion into. (laughs) Anyway, so his freshman year, he appeared in 15 games. He had two starts, uh, 0-1, had a rough ERA his first year, but I mean... Going from high school mm-hmm. to Division One, and they're still using metal bats. Yes, it's and also tough. I can address that too because he told me he was so used to in high school just being able to blow the ball past past people. Like if he was in a pickle, he would say, "Okay, well I know I can go to my fastball, and most guys aren't going to hit it." And he got to college, increased competition, and he had to learn how to pitch because he couldn't just blow his fastball past everybody. That makes a ton of sense yeah. because especially at the 1A ranks at that time, yeah. I mean, his probably, what, close to 90-mile-an-hour fastball, I would say he was around. I think it was low 90s at that Low point. 90s, yeah. yeah I, I would say that that was higher than anybody was seeing against anybody they're facing, especially in this area. So that makes a ton of sense. You go to D1 and everybody's like, yeah, we've seen that before. It's still fast, but not crazy. Um, His sophomore year, he had a pretty darn good season his sophomore year. He appeared in 19 games, starting two. He had a 2-0 record, a 3-5-2 ERA, which is very respectable respectable in D1 baseball where, like I said, you're using metal bats. Mm -hmm. It's yoked dudes using metal bats and you know you flick your wrists out there and they could get out kind of scary to be a pitcher yeah uh he had 20 k's and 23 innings so that's not too bad either uh earned a his first collegiate victory that's and that was against san jose state when he struck out one in a scoreless inning and allowed just one earned run and three hits all singles in his final 14 appearances so it sounds like an excellent year as a reliever. I mean, he started two games, but it seems like a, a bunch of his success came out of the bullpen and had a darn good year. And then, I mean, you start, you look at the numbers between sophomore year and junior year, and you're like, all right, something had to have happened here because he just appeared in 13 games, only had 10 innings of work. He had 10 Ks and his ERA uh, jumped up to 7.2. And you're like, well, it seems like he was progressing in what you would want to see, and yet that's not really what it shows with his numbers there. So it, that is where that coaching change happened, and there's just a bunch of different circumstances, you know, a new regime. He wasn't recruited by that coach, and a lot of different things kind of happened that last year at Washington State. Yeah, it's a big shakeup whenever you have, like, a coach comes in and he's not the coach that recruited you. And, you know, you can find yourself in a situation where, that coach has a different view of what your utility is to the team at that point. So, you know, Lane kind of turned into a specialist setup man. Um, And, I mean, I've watched him pitch quite a bit in high school, and he was not a specialist setup man. (laughs) He was a starter. He could throw – he knew how to pitch. He could throw a lot of pitches, and I feel like that's probably what he wanted to do. And – I don't, I don't know a lot of the inside of that story, but I can imagine, you know, how difficult it would be as a player to go from, you know, the coach that recruited you to a coach that doesn't view you the same way as the coach that recruited you. Absolutely. Even with that, though, the Orioles, the team who took a flyer on him in the mm-hmm. 26th round, still loved him, picked him in the 18th round that year, and he that is when he signed out of college. 
bounced around a little bit in their organization. Um, let's see. He played for some different summer leagues and stuff like that. But in the Orioles, he played in the Gulf Coast League. And actually, I remember this when it happened. He played for a team in Aberdeen. Yep. Uh, Aberdeen, Maryland? Maine? Not exactly <laughs> sure where it was, but it was a team in Aberdeen, and I thought that was pretty funny. But he had some mixed results there in the bigs. But, uh, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, There was some. that's when some injury issues started to come into play. He had some injury issues, struggled to bounce back from the injury issues, and then while he was trying to get back, the team kept bouncing him back and forth between different minor league programs, and he was you know, basically at his own expense without much time at the drop of a hat having to travel from Florida back up to Maryland. And then it, it just became it just became too much to where it wasn't worth it anymore. Um, my, I don't think Lane has ruled out a possibility of going back to play again, and I think he certainly is capable of it if, he, if he's healthy. Um, but, you know, that situation just became too much for him. I remember him uh, from high school, and I think... We, we've had some athletes that have gone on to have some good success. We haven't had a lot of athletes that have had a tremendous amount of recruiting to go pro. Lane was by far the biggest athlete that I've covered that had pro teams after him like crazy. Um, I remember in his senior year, uh, I was working for the Daily World, and I covered... It might have been the first game of the year. It was definitely the first league game of the year. So it was really early on. Um, it was a game at Olympic Stadium against Hoquiam. And Hoquiam had a good team that year, too. Exactly, they did. They were very good that year. Um, and I I got there to cover it, and I was looking around, and I start to see all these people in different major league hats. And like some of them are sitting in groups together, and they have on all the... You know, a bunch of them are identified with their major league teams, and I had no idea what was going on. I was like, "What the heck is this?" So I went up and I asked one of the guys, "Like, are you guys are you guys scouts? Or are you here to scout somebody?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, we're all here to watch this Bruner kid pitch." And at the time, I was like, "Oh geez, I'm just a correspondent. Did did my <laughs> editor make a mistake by sending me to this game?" And so I I called the the daily world office and i talked to i don't remember if it was rick or rob but one of the guys there and they were like oh you got scouts there that's pretty cool okay uh you know just cover the game you know can try to talk to them a little bit and get some insights don't include any quotes from them but so i did talk to some of these scouts like what are you looking for you know um gosh that's so cool the the thing i it was really fun (laughs) the thing i remember that was the most interesting was that it was raining that day and i felt that on any normal day, they probably would have canceled that game. But ah. And I did talk to one of the umpires afterwards, and I asked him, was that a consideration when you guys decided to play? Because it rained through the whole game. Yeah. Did you guys consider that? The fact that there was, I, th- I believe there was 13 scouts there. Wow. 13 major wow. league teams were represented, I believe, um, at that game. And I asked the umpire afterwards, was that a consideration? And he said, yes, he did. He didn't say that it was the final consideration, but they did discuss that. Wow. The fact that there were so many scouts there to watch him play. Now, as the season went on, there was tons of scouts at a lot of the games. And so that one probably seemed less significant. Um, but in that game, you know, talking to the scouts and one of them had, you know, a couple of them had radar guns and they were, you know, clocking his pitches, like measuring the difference between the fastball and the, the breaking ball. 
And then I remember asking them, like, what are you looking for? Like, what is it? And the guy was like, well, we kind of mostly want to see, we want to clock the fastball. We want to see the difference between the fastball and the breaking ball. And I said, well, what is the difference between his fastball and his breaking ball? And he said, oh, it's about 11 miles an hour. And that's good. I thought, wow, that's really good. And then after the game was over, because uh, Lane's dad, Mike, was the head coach of the team at that time. So I always did coach interviews after the games. And I talked to Mike after the game, and I was like, hey, I was talking to one of the scouts. And um, he said that uh, Lane was 11 miles per hour difference on his fastball to his breaking ball. And Mike went, oh, man, we really shoot for more like 12. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. And I told him, you know, the scout who told me that did say that they felt the moisture on the ball may have affected him a little bit. But he pitched really well that yeah. day also. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the amount of meticulousness that goes into that. I know. Like, oh, 11. Oh, we want 12. <laughs> That's crazy to me to think of. So, I mean, we've both enjoyed covering Lane in, a, in different fashions with different sports and stuff. Yes. And, and I would say I have never had a negative interaction with Lane oh. Bonner. I've talked to him many times. He is, I mean, he's an adult now, but he's incredibly respectful to me. Like, you know, somehow I'm like a, like his parents age or something. I'm not, but like he treats <laughs> me like an adult, even though he's an adult, like he's a very respectful kid. That's true. Which makes me feel weird. Cause I'm younger than you are. And he's still kind of says hi to me in the same way. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you just hit a dinger office in softball. Yeah. Like I don't have to <laughs> like, we're just playing against each other. Now he plays, he played for one of the slow pitch teams and uh, it's interesting. Cause he was a pitcher. Yes. And yet there's still a difference. Not a prolific hitter in high school. But dang, he smokes dingers in softball. It's yes. crazy. I did once cover a game in Elma that same season, his senior year, where they played against the Eagles, and he hit two doubles off the fence in that game. So it's not like he was incapable of hitting. He just wasn't a very consistent hitter. And he usually played first base when he didn't pitch. Yeah, he just didn't focus on it because he yeah. was being scouted to be a pitcher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. If I was getting scouted to shoot threes, I yeah. wouldn't really be focusing on my post play. Yeah. I actually remember I remember asking him after that Elma game um, when I watched him hit those doubles. And I was like, you know, when these scouts uh, talk to you, do they ever talk to you about your hitting? Like, are you ever scouted for your hitting ability? And he laughed. <laughs> <laughs> he chuckled at me. <laughs> oh, that's good. So Lane Bruner, our Athlete of the Week, brought to you by Oli Penn Real Estate. Again, thank you so much to them as our sponsor. And just another fun athlete to look back on and chat about. And again, if you want to send us some nominations, please do. If their information is readily available, that would help. If you have some information that could help me Find out more about them or why you think they should be the athlete of the week. I would much appreciate it because sometimes I'll hear a name and I'm like, oh, that's interesting and can't find not a darn thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not exactly easy to reach out and talk to people at this time either. So thank you so much to uh, Oli Penn Real Estate again. Now, Justin, we're going to stay kind of in the same range of local sports and talk about some of these changes that the WIAA is proposing for the basketball attorneys for some reason they just can't seem <laughs> to decide on one thing for more than a few years and it's really frustrating when really a 16 team tournament 
double elimination lasting what three or four days can't remember i think it was four days it was beautiful it was amazing people would come not only to watch their team but to watch other teams but if they came to watch their team they would actually come over to the state tournament because they knew they got at least two days their team would play at least two games they would spend a night and then they're like you know what by that point it's already the weekend and all the best players are still going to be there. Why don't we just stay the whole weekend? And now you don't know what's going to happen. Your team could be done after the first day. Do we really want to go over there if it's just going to last one game? I or technically you qualify for the state tournament, but you don't get to go play in the tournament. Exactly. You get knocked out in the regional round. Yeah, and you're in the regional round six hours away in Spokane. Or if you live in Spokane, it's six hours away in Tumwater. <laughs> like, and then do you want to make that trip, go all the way back home, and then drive all the way to Spokane? Or if you're a team, you're like, great, we made it into the regional round. Let's drive to Spokane. And now drive all the way back. And now drive all the way to Yakima. It makes no sense. So they're trying to adjust it yet again, and they have some proposals, and I got to tell you, I don't like these either. (laughs) Well, I think there's general public agreement on the fact that every time the WIAA makes proposals and comes out with something new, it's stinky, stinky (laughs) poo-poo. Um, that's a technical term yes. used to describe decisions made by the WIAA. Um, I would really just love it if they would say, hey, we were wrong. We're going to go back to the old format. And I think they would get a lot of enthusiasm for it. And people would go. Yeah. You'd see people go just because yes. they went back to the old way. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously. And they could they could even keep the new... The new way that they seed is so much better. Oh, yeah. They actually have, like, a ranking and committee that, you know, instead of randomly based on what region and district you're in, you get all these random seeds that don't make any sense, and you end up with the number one team playing against the number two team in a regional round, and they get knocked out. Yeah, that was stupid. You end up actually having seeds that make some kind of sense, and you can keep all the best teams in the tournament. Exactly, yeah. Keep that. Yeah. Keep But lose the stupid system that you have yeah of the tournament well do you want to run through what some of the proposals yeah, so, are so let's look at option one this is called super regional option one this i pro- hate the word super regional yeah me <laughs> i'm already pissed just because you said super regional yep. <laughs> this proposal would be a single elimination format played over three weekends oh wow yeah three weekends why the first weekend the regional round which we all know and love so much would be first round games played at high school at high school or college gymnasiums around the state with higher seeds playing closer to home. Didn't they already see how terrible that was when they had that before? When they'd have a random regional game up north of Seattle and there was like 12 people there from either team because they're both super far away and it was a regional round so nobody cared. Yep. Yeah, that worked out great. Okay, so let's continue. <laughs> The eight first-round winners would advance to the super regional round. Oh, they've expanded on their worst idea. Yes. <laughs> oh, Played on the second weekend, also at high school and college gymnasiums. So we would have two rounds of nobody in gyms, of games that nobody cares about, because it's this random super regional and regional round. 
The third weekend would be the semifinals and championship games played at the final tournament site. 4A, 3A, and 2A at the Tacoma Dome. Please get rid of the Tacoma Dome. Nobody cares that much. It's not that great. And the 1A, 2B, and 1B at Yakima or Spokane. Semifinal losers would both receive third place trophies as no third place game would be played. The WIA projects this option would have a net income. This is the real kicker and the real reason why they're doing this. This would have a net income that is $275,290, more than projections for the current format if revenue levels remain consistent with 2020 revenues. Of course it's cheaper. Of course it's cheaper to play in a high school gymnasium that's empty. But are you going to get more money? I, I mean, the the it's just so frustrating. Because it's not the... You're the WIAA. It's not for making money. It's not. Break even. You're... This is for public high school. This is for high school kids. You're not a business. This isn't a private organization that should be worried about the bottom line as long as they are not going crazy into debt. It's just, it drives me nuts. Also, at the expense of, you know, high school teams that have to drive all across the state and back and across the state and back and across the state and back. Super regional option two, if you can't tell how upset I am about all this. The, this proposal would be a single elimination format played over three weekends. The first weekend, the regional round, would be first round games played at a high school or college gymnasium around the state with higher seeds playing closer to home. That's similar. The eight first-round winners would advance to the Super Regional round played on the second weekend at the Yakima Sun Dome over three days. 2B, 1B on Thursday, 2A, 1A on Friday, and 4A, 3A on Saturday. The third weekend would be semifinals and championship games played at a final tournament site. 4A, 3A, and 2A at the Tacoma Dome, and 1A, 2B, 1B at the Yakima Sundome or the Spokane Arena. Semifinal losers would receive third place trophies as no third place game would be played. The WIA projects this option to have a net income of $276,837 more than projections for the current format. So they would save apparently even more money on that one. So that one's very similar to the first one. Now, Yakima option three. This option submitted by the coaches' associations would be a two-game minimum format played over two weeks. I like the two-game minimum. The first week would include first-round games and then quarterfinal consolation games played at the Yakima Sundome for all classifications. I like that. In this format, 1B games would be played on Monday and Tuesday. 2B games would be played on Wednesday and Thursday. 1A games, Friday and Saturday. Second day consolation winners would all receive 7th place trophies. That's a little weird. And quarterfinal losers would all receive 5th place trophies. So basically, if you lose one of your first two games, you're done. You either get a... If you win one of those games, you get a 7th or 5th place trophy. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Only... Um, Four teams advance, pretty much. You have to win your first two. The four, but you would get at least two games there. Yeah, so that's something. The four semifinalists would advance to the second week of play. Again, not sure why they have to split everything up. 
on the following Friday and Saturday, the 1A, 2B, and 1B semifinals and finals would be played at the Spokane Arena. Semifinal winners would receive third place trophies. The 2A, 3A, and 4A games would start the week after the 1A, 1B, 2B, 1A. So again, they're just extending basketball even more. With first week games played in Yakima and the semifinals and finals being played March 12th and 13th at the Tacoma Dome, causing an overlap with the spring sports season. That's part of the problem there as they extend it. The WIAA projects this option to have a net income that is $133,577, more than projections for the current format. So that one makes about half as much money as the other projections. Input from fans and students will remain open on the W. Oh, that's already closed. <laughs> they really didn't publicize that I too well. I think it was I less than a week. I, I think you had less than a week to vote on. I th and I think I got in on the last day, yeah. which was option three is the best, but this is all crap. And it's I, basically what I told them. Like you but were they saying... won't care about me. We've told them that before, Justin. <laughs> we even had Colbreeze, whatever his yeah, name Mike was. Yeah, Mike Colbreeze. He's we... not the director anymore. Yeah. But... He was at the time. Yeah. We had him on the show, and so, he gave us uh, cookie-cutter answer reasons why they were doing things the way they were. Yeah. And we asked him, you know, what's your response to... here? We, we kind of proposed it like, here are the major things that people say negatively about that, and gave him a chance to respond to them. And he basically just, in all situations, said, well, those people don't really understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about money and sponsorships and you know he was pretty much saying well those people don't know what they're talking about which may be true i don't know i know when you talk about extending into the spring sports season when your football team goes to state they express they extend into the basketball season i yeah, know the the old way extended when i went to state with a team my junior year yeah and i say went to state with the team because that's about all i did i didn't get to play much <laughs> i I was going to baseball practice as soon as I could after basketball practice just to try and get some work in. Yeah. I think if you have a team that's successful enough to advance to the furthest rounds of state, then you kind of just accept it. Yeah. You know, you're happy that they've done well. And I, I know that when the Montesano football team made it to the semifinals a few years ago that they missed a basketball game. But it was a non-league game. Like yeah. those early non-league games. Who cares? I don't view that as that big of an issue I guess my one thought on this, I'll play I'll play half of a devil's advocate here. Demon's every, advocate? Basically every other sport, football, baseball, soccer, they all have these when you get to regionals, it's a single elimination, you lose and you go home. Basketball is viewed differently. It's viewed as a tournament style sport. But you know, other club sports are tournament style. Like, kids play baseball, they play weekend tournaments. Volleyball players play weekend tournaments in club ball. So, why does basketball need to have a three-day tournament to decide, or a four-day tournament to decide the champion, when football has single elimination regionals in state, baseball, softball, volleyball, soccer, they all have single elimination regionals and state, why does basketball need to be treated differently? It, it's interesting. I mean, it's understandable. And I think part of the reason why is because 
if you have the ability to play that amount of games of that sport, why not? Like, and the reason I always point back to, and I this personal experience, so this is why I always point back to it, but I've had more teams that I've watched go through similar things. When I was a junior, as I said, on that team that went to state, or I, you know, I went with them to state, we got demolished by Lyndon Christian. I hate Lyndon Christian, just throwing that in there yet again. Got <laughs> demolished. We then went on and won every other game we played in. In the current format, we get demolished by Lyndon Christian and we don't do anything else. We're done. We took fourth place at state or fifth place at state after getting demolished the first day. Were we one of the worst teams in the tournament just because we faced the team that won the state championship the first day? No, we were probably the third best team in the or third or fourth best team in the tournament, but we got stacked up against the private school that had a 6'9 dude playing guard. And you still see that happening. You see some of these Hoquiam teams the past few years, there's some money teams the past few years that they have a really good team and they run up against a private school and you're like, okay, well, that's one of two teams where everybody's looking at them going half of their kids are playing for a college next year. And it's not really that, you know, you're like, eh, you know, that sucks. And then you know, maybe you can go get third or fourth or fifth place. But with the new system, instead of that system, you can't really work your way back from it. So I understand that in football, you can't do that. You can't play a bunch of football games. You can't have a double elimination tournament in football. It's just not possible. <laughs> but in the sports that it can be, why not when, A, you're, you can't do really a perfect seeding process anyway. It's a lot better than it used to be. But it seems like that that's why. And everybody loved it. Yeah. So the everybody loved it thing is what sticks out to me. So to answer my own question of why does basketball need to be different, I would say, first off, you had a tournament system that was generally well-liked that gave the kids a great experience, and you took it away. And so no matter what you do at this point, you've taken something away from them. And there are lots of kids that went through their entire high school career with that experience being robbed of them. The other thing I would say is there's basically, at least around here, there's basically two high school sports that people go to watch. It's football and it's basketball. Yeah. I, baseball and softball are trickier, partly because they're outdoors, partly because those games are played earlier in the day. There's a lot of reasons why, but pretty much the two big spectator high school sports are football and basketball. So those are the ones that you have a chance to actually generate revenue with in a state tournament format. They've, I feel like, you know, you can't do anything more with football. You can't play two football games a week, like you pointed out, Daniel. Like, that's not a tournament-style sport. That's a sport where you play a game, take a week off, play a game. But in basketball, you have an actual opportunity to create a tournament in a condensed period of time that people will attend that you can get sponsorships for and that you can get money at the gate and that you can get money at concessions and you can actually have a tournament that makes money. Exactly. And they've blown it up. Yeah. So I, I feel like if the WIAA has any complaints about how much money they're making off of any kind of current format that they have, like you screwed it up. <laughs> you had an opportunity for a tournament that generates revenue and can and could support the other sports. Yeah. 
and you don't have it anymore. Yeah, and you want to know the other tournament that's awesome in high school sports in the state tournament? Fast pitch. I have heard so many stories about how one of the best tournaments in the state is fast pitch. It's awesome. You know, want to know what else it does? What? It doesn't have a single elimination tournament. Mm. If you so Montesano in 2019, they lost seven to five against Tuila. They then played Keona Benton and beat them thirteen to one. They then beat Lyndon Christian. Thank you, Montesano, three to one. You're welcome. <laughs> then they beat Deer Park eleven to six. Then they beat Chewila the second time they played them. Is that right? Yeah. Then they beat them the second time they played them nine to two. So they got another shot at Chewila, beat them. Then they took set set. Excuse me. They took third place by beating Castle Rock seven to six. So there's another tournament. The sport allows for you to play multiple games, and they have an amazing tournament. And Montesano lost their first game. If it was a single elimination tournament, they'd be done. That sucks. That's a terrible way to end the season, but it's not. And they won five games in a row after that first loss, and they took third place in state. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to, if your sport allows for it, have more games. Yeah. I compl- You're not going to get any argument from me. I completely agree. Um, I think... They focus. They don't focus enough on the experience of the player. Exactly. And that's what gets lost in all of this, is you have all these kids that don't get that great experience. All right, that's enough ranting and raving from us about how stupid the WIAA is with basketball especially. I want to see some football tournaments. One more thing. <laughs> One more thing. <laughs> I want to say, as dumb as the WIAA is, yes. I have been... I was semi-encouraged by the fact that they waited so long to call off spring sports. Like, they didn't just go into full-on panic mode when the coronavirus hit and say, no, we're done. That's like, true. they waited until the last possible moment. They haven't done a lot of things I've agreed with over the years, but that was one, and it makes me hopeful that we might have sports in the fall. That's true, and that's something that we are definitely going to hope for. Mailbag coming up next, but first a commercial break. It's not just a home or a car. It's the six months you save to get your Ultra HD flat screen just in time for football season. It's the overtime you worked for that third car so that your team can drive themselves to practice. While other insurance companies just see them as a bundle or a combo, State Farm agent Mark Rossetti sees your home and car as things you work really hard for. Mark understands what you're... Oh, jeez. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go, hello! That's not right. I messed that up. I'm sorry. We have to leave it all in. It's t- You don't get to cut it out. Andrew fail. Yeah, it was. It's not just a home or a car. It's the six months you save to get your Ultra HD flat screen just in time for football season. It's the overtime you worked for that third car so that your team can drive themselves to practice. While other insurance companies just see them as a bundle or a combo, State Farm agent Mark Rossetti sees your home and car as things you work really hard for. Mark understands what your things really mean to you and is here to help you give them the protection they deserve. Visit Mark Rossetti at 613 Oak Street in Aberdeen for your home and auto insurance today. Thank you again to our sponsor, State Farm Agent Mark Rossetti, and our other sponsors, Oli Penn Real Estate and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Justin, what you mentioned at the end of that last segment, 
hopefully we have hope for sports in the fall for high school. And that is what our first mailbag question is. Yep, this question comes from Steve. Steve! Andrew, can we get the imaging? The mailbag. Uh, yes, the mailbag. Send us your stuff. Send us your stuff. stuff. In the mailbag. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Andrew and Daniel decided to harmonize with the old Daniel, who originally <laughs> created, wrote, produced, and performed that song. If, if that was harmony, I don't want to. I don't. No, 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 no. I have this conversation with my wife all the time. Any two different notes that you sing at the same time <laughs> is harmony. Don't let any goofy music person tell you anything otherwise. Okay. Thank you, Justin. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm gonna get. Really, I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> okay, first question from the mailbag comes from Steve. Steve says, what's going to happen to high school sports this year? When he says this year, I'm assuming he means next school year. Yeah, I don't know, Steve. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know. The answer isn't satisfying. Um, I have heard a couple of different things. Basically... Nobody knows because it's too early to make a decision, and I think Steve actually knows that too. Yeah. He's just digging for some more information that we might have, which we probably don't have a ton of. There's two two major rumors that I've heard, and everything seems to be focused on football. Um, one well, is yeah, that's where you get the most fans. Yeah, well, that's one, the only sport that really matters. One is that they are considering <laughs> if schools aren't ready to go back in the fall, if we're not on phase four by the fall. They are considering the possibility of moving football season to the spring. Huh. Which would be interesting in a couple ways because um, you would be condensing it. I guess the main thing to me is then you have all these kids who normally play baseball or run track and now you're making them choose which one they're going to do. Yeah, but they just do that to keep in shape for football, right? A lot of them do. Yeah, I think that's actually true. A lot of them do play run track so they can stay in shape. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry Daniel. But, I'm smack you. But I would say I know several guys from the 2012 Montesano State Champion football team. That was a baseball group. Oh, yeah. Lane Bruner, Matthew Jensen, Shad Rogers, Elliot Mendenhall, Zach Nelson. Those guys were baseball guys. They ended up losing in the state championship game in baseball that same year that they won the state championship in football. But that would have meant more to them. It would have been really interesting to see if those guys were forced to make that decision, how many of them would have chosen to play football. I think that a lot of them would have played baseball. Yeah, and there's a lot of kids on that same year, that Hoquiam team, that were baseball kids too. Yeah. They had, they, I think they played Monty in the regional round that year. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tough choices. Tough choices, really. But that was one, and obviously there's a million details that would need to be worked out. But one possibility is moving football into the spring. And, yes, Andrew? Is soccer a spring sport normally? Yeah, Uh, for for boys. Girls play in the winter. Boys boys play in the spring. I was just thinking that that would be a potential conflict also with with fields and stuff. Wait, do girls play in the fall? Yeah. Girls play in the fall. Yeah, sorry. I thought you were going to say fall when I was agreeing with girls soccer for our state is in the fall and boys soccer is in the spring. Okay. And golf is split. It's really weird. Half the state plays it in the fall and half (laughs) plays it in the spring, which is really weird. And yet they do the state tournament after the spring season. So you get a lot of complaints from people over here who played in this fall and they're like, well, great. We're at the top of our game at the end of our season. Then we have to wait six months. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's good. Um, and then the other main rumor that I have heard was that if 
everything's not ready to open up everywhere, that there's a possibility that only league games might be played in the fall. So you might not have a full schedule where you're traveling all over the place. You might just play a five-game schedule or a four-game schedule of teams in your own league. And it would make things a little sticky with the possibility of, like, what happens next. You know, are there regional rounds? Are Is there a state champion? And I think I read a, a piece in the Seattle Times, and the guy said it would really force people to think about what's actually important in in high school athletics because everyone will be screaming, well, this team has an advantage over us, so this that team has an advantage over us because this, that, and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. But they'll just be really forced to think about like what the kids are actually getting out of the sport. Mm-hmm. Not about winning, not about winning championships, but about building character and doing your best as a team. So, or getting a chance to further your education exactly. with a scholarship. Right. So there, I mean, there's lots of factors in it. Um, I, in that same Seattle times piece, they said that some sports are going to have more trouble than others because a lot of people think that in phase three, which allows gatherings of up to 50 people that some sports will be able to play. Like volleyball might be able to come back, but it would be pretty difficult to have a football game with 50 or less people. So you might not have football if we're only in phase three. So that's the long answer to the question. The short answer to the question is it's really too early for anyone to be able to make an assessment. It's not a satisfying answer, but it's the one we have right now. Yeah. Next question wants to... Oh. Next question. Come on, This is a Daniel-related question. Francis. There's been a lot of rumors (laughs) that there might be... The Pac-12 for football is going to be interesting this year because I believe it was L.A. County, which contains two Pac-12 teams, I think? Yeah, Um, at least. Has already said there's no um, on-campus college classes in the fall. Wow. So (laughs) the... Wow. The high likelihood is that the Pac-12 will not be fully formed. Is the Pac-12 actually going to play? Is any college football going to play? But let's say there's a scenario out there where, I mean, the SEC is the most likely to play. Those are the bluest states. Those are some of the most sparsely populated places. They are the most likely to, number one, be the ones who take the chance and play, and number two, the ones who are most likely to be furthest along in the progression when it gets there. Um, well, yes, most of those states are completely open. I'm already. pretty sure Florida is yeah. already practicing. Yeah, so a lot of those are going to play, but let's say let's say Pac-12 football says we're not open enough. We don't have enough colleges that are going to participate. We don't have a Pac-12 season, Daniel. In this scenario, here's the question from Francis: If the Pac-12 has no college football season, who is Daniel going to root for? Because your number one love is Oregon State. The Beavers, yeah. And your number two love, I believe, is your alma mater, yeah. The Washington State Cougars. So who does Daniel? I have teams to root for all over the nation, so I'm going to be just fine. Yeah. Daniel, who are you rooting for? Well, well, there's two options here. One, I don't like this too much because I kind of hate them for what they did. But there's another orange and black OSU <laughs> out there, <laughs> so I could still wear most of my stuff and root for them, and that's Oklahoma State. Yeah. But I'm kind of upset. <laughs> that they were formed after Oregon State University and chose the colors orange and black. So I don't think I could pick them. But didn't and the uh, initials? I don't like Ohio State either. So I don't like that. Don't like them. Uh, Does it have to be an OSU? No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was a Tebow guy 
but I don't really like Florida. Um, I like the colors orange, so that Clemson, Syracuse. Awesome. But this might surprise you, Justin. One of my favorite teams to watch growing up uh, outside of Oregon State was the um it was hawaii yeah it was the rainbow warriors oh you stayed up till 2 a.m and watched the late game i would watch high <laughs> i would watch highlights and they also played oregon state a decent amount and i remember always liking how fun their team was and also it helped that every time they popped on the screen my dad would be like ah june jones i sacked that guy in high school <laughs> Every time, without fail, I sacked that guy in high school. Uh, they both played high school football in Portland. In fairness to Dad, yeah. If I had sacked June Jones in high school, <laughs> I would shout it every time he was on the screen. Too. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty. I would shout story. it multiple times during the same game. Yeah. if it was me, he probably did. And you know, I actually had a, I Andrew, um, Andrew, and I saw June Jones after a Washington State game when we were on, at school. And that was back when he was the coach of SMU, I believe. And we saw him, and I really wanted to go up. I, I'm, I still regret it to this day. I wanted to go up and introduce myself. And then be like, right as I was leaving, just be like, by the way, my dad says he sacked you in high school. <laughs> and then just leave. I didn't do it. I chickened out. But yeah, I think I'd go with Hawaii. I, I, I like watching Hawaii play. I okay. like what conference is Hawaii in? I don't know. They used to be in the <laughs> WAC, um, but then they're in a different one now. Because I was, I was following along with you, and then it struck me that I don't know. Hawaii seems like they would be less likely to be with having to travel in an airplane every single place they go. Would they be less likely to be playing than the Pac-12? Yeah, probably. Good point. I don't for those who my don't dreams, know, I'd have to pick another team. I'm sorry. For those Jeez. who don't know, I've I, always I thought of up, you as a Rainbow Roy, Warrior, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Hawaii. I have been to many UH Rainbow Warrior games when I was a kid, and uh, there were some years that they were really bad. There was a year that they didn't win a single game, and there was a year that they won the WAC championship. And like I said, the entire time that I lived there, they were in the WAC. They're in the Mountain West. Now. They're in the Mountain West now. Okay, so they've. Cha- I think they might have actually changed conferences a couple of times. Probably. Is there a whack anymore? The whack might have dissolved. Anyway, I don't remember. Can't keep up with all the conference <laughs> shifting. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Okay. So Daniel would root for Hawaii. So you'd go from rooting for big time football to rooting for kind of a secondary level. Team. Yeah. I. But also a team that every now and then gets close to undefeated, and mm-hmm. you can start arguing about them getting a chance at one of the bowl games. Well, their old coach was really, really good. Are you talking about Nick Rolovich? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I once watched Nick Rolovich throw seven touchdown passes in a game. Like, really? that dude was a legitimate quarterback. He Did was he, really good. He played for Hawaii? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. He was very good. Um, I didn't, I think I watched it on TV. I wasn't there. But I, I watched the game, and it went till like, 1.30 in the morning. So they're, they're, like, three hours earlier than us, so their games go super late. So that's kind of a running joke nationally is that if you stay up till 2 a.m. you can watch the Hawaii game. Like uh, degenerate gamblers who are still <laughs> working on a parlay will v- their last vo- their last bet of the day will be if, if you're on the Hawaii still game. awake at the end of Pac-12 after dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what, Daniel? I will allow you to root for the Tar Heels with me. They're gonna have a good football. North Carolina is gonna have a, a good football team this season. You know. They're headed in a good direction. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I like 
I mean, I root for the Tar Heels in basketball just because I hate Duke more. Yeah. But n- the more I've gotten to know you over the last few years... <laughs> <laughs> the more you want to root against the team that makes me most happy in yes. life? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Hashtag okay. swag. Well, I hope there's no Pac-12 football <laughs> this year, jerk. All right. Uh, let's do one more question. All right. Okay. Which one? There's a couple of we're, good ones here. We're going to do... I want to save the last one for next week. All right. Sounds because good. Because I'm very excited about that one, and I think we could talk about it for a long time. Yes. This one... This is a debate that I have heard before. This is a debate that they have on the Rich Eisen show kind of a lot. Okay. Heel of bread. Do you eat it or throw it out? Do you like crust or no crust? This is from Francis. He says, I believe it is part of the bread with the most flavor. Huh. Also, using the heel for buttered toast gives the gives a bit of a buffer so butter doesn't leak onto the paper towel. You can pile more butter on Well, it. I was going to say, it sounds like he's using a lot of butter, which is a plus. But let's just talk <laughs> about it. The heel of the bread. Do you like it or do you not like it? You know, I don't technically, I don't like it, but I find specific uses for it. Like, I'm never like, ah, oh, I'm making a sandwich. Can to use that heel of the bread first option? But I'll use it as a hot dog bun almost immediately. Like, if I'm having a hot dog, then that's like instant. I know what you would do with it. You'd put cheese on it and microwave it. <laughs> I haven't, but you know, I'll use I'll use the heel. I feel like it's wasteful if if I don't. So I kind of feel bad about not using it. It's never good though when you're getting down to the end and you just have two heels left. Then then you're starting to wonder, okay, what's gone on here? This is poor planning. I I agree with him that the heel has the a lot of flavor or maybe the most flavor. I for me it really depends on the bread. I I like French bread or uh, like sourdough. And I really pref- like the heels toasted of those loaves of bread are the best part of the loaf. But if it's something else like Paul's Bow bread, which I'm not a huge fan of, I will avoid using the heel if at all possible. So it's a popular opinion that the heel of the bread is the best part. Which... What? Yeah, That's so the best part. Yeah, so okay. this is like, uh, like I said, this is this comes up on the Rich Eisen show. They have Rich, and then they have two <laughs> producers. They all agree the heel is the best part. Weird of the bread. I've never heard that before. And I, so I've heard this conversation come up, and it spreads out to the other shows after Rich talks about it because he's you know he's a tastemaker. So uh, <laughs> I have never understood this. It's like the first time. Oh, maybe I won't go there. Is that like it's saying like the, the corner brownie piece? No, I love the corner brownie piece. It's the part of the bread with the most crust. It's like saying all you. It, it's like saying the crust is the best part of the pie. It well, depends it's the on the best what kind part of, of the brownie. Though. Well, okay, so Francis <laughs> is kind of arguing like he thinks that it's the best part, but he also thinks it has the most utility. Like I understand what he's saying about the end of it being best for buttered toast. But I also feel like that's just because he's using it as a vessel to get the most butter in his mouth. Exactly. Which is what like you Daniel, use toast for, like, Justin. Yeah, but the Daniel not uses better. tortillas as a vessel to get the most melted cheese in exactly. his mouth. Exactly. Also the proper use for tortillas. <laughs> I don't I Yes, Andrew. Thank I you. will avoid using the end of the bread for anything. Like we're talking about like a bag, wheat bread, white bread, like not a not a good piece of not French good bread, bread, not yeah. a good sourdough. Like those, you're going to eat the whole thing. Yeah, of course. 
if it's a loaf of bread that's sliced and you buy it at the grocery store, I'm not using the ends unless I absolutely have to. And a lot of it is because like if I like the lightness and the fluffiness of the bread and that part feels tough and dry to me. So maybe you can slather enough mayonnaise on it that it, that it would be okay. The dry butter, Justin butter. (laughs) (laughs) It's the dry part. That's hard. Cause you don't want soggy bread either. You don't want soggy bread, but I feel like wet bread is also tough or dry bread. It's also a little bit tough. So the end of the loaf of bread, the ends of the loaf of bread are not the best part. I, w- I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think they're the best part, but I still try and use them. Okay, crust or no crust on your sandwiches? Oh, crust. What are you, yeah. seven? <laughs> you could not say that better. <laughs> like, Justin? Do you like the crust part? Turns out Justin is seven. No, I use I have crust, but I don't, <laughs> I don't like the crust on the bread on my sandwiches, well, but I feel like it helps contain the sandwich. Yeah, it's it's the handle. Yeah. Yeah. But also the way I eat a sandwich or a burger, I I want to We end... couldn't get through a mailbag segment without talking about burgers. It's been like 5 oh, weeks in a row. True. But the way I eat, okay, can we talk way, about burgers? The way I eat about Oh yeah, we should probably bring this up cuz uh there's been new evidence that helps support my initial I claim. recently ate at Al's Hundinger and I was very underwhelmed. There was a very small patty drowned in special humdinger sauce. And then where'd you eat the next night? Uh, I ate at the Grizzly Den. Yes. And I had, well, I'm going to have to go back and get something that's more comparable because what I ordered was the Grizzly Burger. And I got probably the biggest burger I've ever (laughs) bought at a restaurant and not made myself it reminded me a lot of what i like to do which is make like a three layer cheese uh burger at home with you know three patties yeah except it was just two patties and they were massive and also you sent me a picture and it reminded me about the waffle fries there which are so good the the fries were next level (laughs) so (laughs) andrew actually told me when we were on our way here, when we were talking about this, he said that he felt like the Grizzly Den Burger. It's not even fair to compare because it's like a separate category. That's that's why I need to, I need to go burger. back and just order a bacon burger or a bacon cheeseburger or whatever because the the Grizzly Burger is it's a different category. <laughs> yeah. It should not be competing with. Uh, 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 I had a, a double bacon cheese at at a Humdinger, but it what they're not realistically. They're not in, in the, the same, same they're ballpark. Not in the, yeah, they're not okay. in the same category. So uh, I'll, we'll go ahead and just do this on air real quick. Okay. <laughs> I floated the idea to okay. Angel, for, to my wife yesterday, Yes. that now that we are able to have gatherings of five or less people, Woo! which is why we're back in studio. Thank you, phase two. Yep, phase two. That some Saturday in the near future, within the next couple weeks, yes. we, the three of us, Split up into different directions. Okay. Get burgers from Grizzly Den, Humdinger, Lighthouse, Jeans, and Smitty's. Yes. Bring them all to one place. You can get excited. And hit <laughs> I know, mic. I'm hitting the microphone. <laughs> I'm very excited talking about burgers. But then we take one burger from each place, cut it to where we can taste them all right next to each other. Yes. Compare. We'll take video of it. We'll post the video of it. Yes. And we can all give assessments when all the burgers are side by side. Which ones are the best? I propose that we invite Sean to join us. I, I like this plan. I like inviting Sean. 
I say, though, because Sean's coming and he's going to be snarky about, oh, I think that the burger shouldn't have stuff on it. A certain type of burger person. No, that was what was so shocking. (laughs) Wasn't Sean, wasn't Sean advocating for humdinger? Yeah. That, that burger has the most stuff drowning that, that patty. It's, it's a, it's a humdinger sauce sandwich with a, a small patty in it. Yeah, and that sauce is good. I got to tell you that, yeah. though. I do like the sauce. It's all right. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but do we get... This is just me wanting more burgers involved with this. <laughs> so I say we get, like, the Mac Daddy burger Yeah, from the each signature spot. burger from each the place. Si- and then we also get, like, the smallest, plainest burger they have. Just but, a hamburger. Yeah. Because <laughs> so two burgers from each place? Yes. <laughs> How much are we going to eat? Enough. Okay. Justin, you've seen how much Daniel can eat. I would say I I have had, ever since Andrew gave me this tip, now two Fridays in a row for dinner, I've had the Jeans Don't Fit Burger. Oh. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing at Jeans Stop and Go in Montesano. It's so good. Because not only is there a ton of meat and bacon, but that, like, spicy sauce that they have on it. I'm into that. Seriously. No, there's some good burgers around here. And by the way, we're splitting hairs. But we're gonna we're gonna suffer through it for the masses and split those hairs. It's a tough, tough job. Anyway, back to the sandwich. I like to eat a burger or sandwich around in a circle so that the last bite is no crust and preferably like has a little bit of each ingredient same. on that last bite and it's the perfect bite. Yes, same. Yeah. Although I'm a little surprised to hear you say that because you're you're a food segregator. That's true, but I view it the sandwich have to make as a whole. Sense, Justin. Okay. The the food of the sandwich is one food. Yeah, I and view most meals that way. But yeah, no, I get it. I get <laughs> it. The right. food of the Thanksgiving dinner is a food. That's how Andrew views it. <laughs> and my wife. All right. All right, that's going to do it for our show today. Hopefully, we'll be bringing you the burger video sometime soon cuz now I'm really hungry. <laughs> His mouth is watering. Let's go do it right now. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsors again, Oli Penn Real Estate, State Farm Agent Mark Rossetti, and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Thank you so much for sponsoring this show. So, for my co-host, Justin, more lucky than talented, Domashevitz. <laughs> and my co-host, Daniel, I hate Lyndon Christian <laughs> Hargrove. And our producer, chugging an IPA doesn't sound fun and gross. Maybe I'm old. <laughs> Maybe I'm old. <laughs> or Andrew... With this new setup, I forget to talk towards the microphone. Gross. (laughs) You've been listening to The Scrimmage.